into an idea that you're not that. And that, for me, is the... Is if you want to call it an approach, I would say that's the best approach, is realizing you're seeing what you're not instead of looking for what you are. Yeah? It's just that simple. Because while you're looking for what you are, what's looking for what you are may be what you're not. <laughs> and it's never going to find what you are because while it's looking, that's what you are. <laughs> but you've taken it to be something else. See? It's the perfect foil. So what's looking is what you're looking for. But not as the you that's looking for yeah? We're not saying stop looking for it. That's what a lot of people do. They tell you to stop doing stuff or start doing stuff. We're just saying, who's it, who is it that's doing it? Find out who that is. If that ain't you, all the meaning that you're doing and not doing has will be incredibly shifted. Yeah? Because most of the meaning given to your do, what's happening through you is because you think you're the doer of it. I'm telling you. The mind is flooding just simple actions with tons of meaning, you know? Like it's, it's going to change your whole life if you, you know, got up on the right side instead of the left side of the bed. And this is all selfing. It's a huge amount of meaning it gives, yes? And the basic meaning is... Well, look at it. The first movement of selfing is the claim. That's what it does, yes? So the mental process sees or recognizes something happening and it immediately puts itself in the position of I'm the one that's doing it or I'm the one it's being done to. And from that point of view called self-centeredness, the mind tells a story about life. Yeah? Instead of seeing life is happening, it's happening to you. It's a totally different story. Totally different story. And I believe the basic premise is life is happening. So you don't really have to do anything to see life is happening. Yeah? You just have to see that you're not that that makes it look like it's happening to you. Yeah? Because life is happening. That's it. It's not like, all right, now I've gotten through the first hurdle, now the biggest hurdle. How to make life look like it's just happening. You know, there's no effort to do that because life is just happening. Yeah? It's, the effort is when you try to bend it into it's happening to me. <laughs> That's a huge amount of effort. That's like a, track that, a tracking beam that has to have a huge amount of attention and interest to take everything, even the most far-flung topic, and pertain it to you. I saw this lady we used to come here with. She was one of the best I've ever seen. You could talk about something that happened on Venus, and her mind in about a half a second would pertain it to her. And just It's amazing. We'd come up with these random impossibilities, and I could see her head, and it suddenly it was about her. <laughs> just like that, in about a second. Yeah? It was amazing. This far off asteroid, <laughs> a giant shooting star, <laughs> just right always about. <laughs> and it wasn't even her. And she would just go off because she had no sense of here. The only here she had was made up in the there, in the mental frame of time. Yeah. Here is such an incredible gift because it's a it's sort of an anchor an anchoring position so that here you have an immunity from there and then yeah so when the mind goes traipsing off following thoughts about what's going to happen to me a year from now yeah the only thing it smells like grass in here doesn't it? Or baking something. have I gotten loaded already you know I hit some totes before they're cooking down they are. Like oh, oh. Oh, oh. It doesn't smell distinct. No, whatever. Yeah. It smells pretty strong. So like here I am, mind thinking about what's not happening. Yeah? Way there. And what occurs is, if my interest is in that person that it's supposed to be about, my attention travels through every one of those train cars. Yeah? Every one of them. And goes always to the destination. And when it arrives at that destination, I'm going to be destitute or something like that. It provokes a reaction now in the body and the brain. It's almost, if you could look at it, if you took away the judgment of it, it's a miracle. Because you're making something out of nothing all day. Yeah? You're producing the physiological effects of fear with mental anxiety. Mind-boggling. Yeah? By just worrying about something, 
there's a contraction that occurs, yes? Everything changes, your whole chemistry. And after a while, let's say in life, maybe you'd have the, uh, the emotion of fear would be provoked maybe 18 times your whole life. Now it's being provoked 18 times a day with the mind. The mind through anxiety is producing the physiological effects of fear. You know how burnt out your system is? It's like getting electroshocked. Yes? What if? I could have. I should have. This, there's no immunity to it as a self. Yeah? Once you take yourself to be an independent, long-lasting, separate entity, you are a projection of conditional mind. That's what you take yourself to be. And therefore, in a sense, self is never going to get out of self. Self is never going to find the perfect immunity to self. People have been trying for years and years and years and years. They practice one thing, it doesn't, it's not enough, then they get into turbocharged Buddhism, and then they go to Kabbalah, then they mix a little Tantra with this and that, your little cooking classes, Tantra, sitting quiet, kayaking, you're trying to provoke something, but self can't get out of self. A product of a mental process can't transcend the mental process that produces it. It doesn't come from here. It doesn't exist. It's produced by a mental process. In other words, the feeling of being you is produced. Yeah? You didn't have it when you were first born, for the first year or so that you were here, supposedly, in a body. They've already proven, they've done tons of research on children, kids, and the kids have no sense of you or other yet. They have no sense of two, yeah, for a while. They grow into it. The mind develops the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, and in that development, this world becomes as real as that is. Yeah? As real as the self is, so is the world. Yeah? Like the Course of Miracles would state it perfectly. It says, you and I are the dreamer of this dream. We forgot that we dreamt it, and we've given everything we've dreamt all the power to affect us. That's exactly what the situation is. Exactly catches it in one sentence. We're the dreamer. I would say we're the dreaming of the dream. I don't believe there's a dreamer. That would mean there's a something. I think there's dreaming. There's the dreaming of the dream. We forgot that we're a verb. We've taken ourselves to be a noun. And now everything else we've given name and form to can affect us as this noun. Where the solution is, is in finding our own nature, which is verb-like. It is Dreaming, it is being, it is seeing. It's not seer, the beer, and the dreamer. It's seeing, dreaming. Yes, there is no prior, uh, no privatization, no ownership, no claimant. There's just what's happening. Yes, there's no one that's happening to, and there's no one that's doing it. There's just what's happening. Yeah, it's an incredible uh, relief. The burden of being a noun. Let's say one segment of your head's activity, guilt and shame. Yeah? If you look at guilt and shame, where does it rest? What gives it uh, the basis of being relevant? It rests on the belief that you're a doer, that you chose to do all these things you shouldn't have done, and you omitted things you should have done, and you committed things you shouldn't have done. Yes? That's where all guilt and shame comes from. That's the only place it can rest. If you were, if you had a hit that you weren't the personal doer, you would be let off that fucking hook. You would be relieved of that burden of identification as self. And one of the biggest hooks is guilt and shame, based on being the doer. We in recovery have the perfect example that we were powerless. As soon as we introduced a drug or an alcohol, it was like dancing with a gorilla. You're not. You're going to stop when it stops. <laughs> you're not. You don't have any choice. And yet, the mind keeps on persisting and and producing guilt and shame about events we were when we were under the influence of alcohol, as if we had a choice not to do those. This is the arrogance of selfing. Yeah. It's not going to be convinced by tons of evidence. The only evidence I like is when you realize you're not that. It all distills into one point. Hey, I'm not that. There's no, there's no, you don't turn around and start looking for what you are. You just, you're the seeing of what you're not. 
when it dawns on you you're not that, that's a beautiful example of your own nature, which is seeing. You've finally seen through the veil. You've seen the trance. You've seen how it's produced. You see how it's reinforced. And it all distills into, I'm not that. Yeah? And then you know it by its absence. You will know that that was the problem by its absence. You will really get to know what they said in AA was verifiably so by the absence of the dilemma. Yeah? Once the identification itself gets dismissed, there's a huge amount of relief shows up in one's life, and you put two and two together. Why it wasn't showing up, because that bondage to self was active. Yes? It's as simple as fucking that. When that, that gets deactivated, something that had never been delivered, always promised, always given you a five-year plan how to get there, always said, oh, if you jump through 80 hoops, you'll arrive there. Not now, but sometime sooner, later, if you look in the right way or whatever. There's always considerations, requirements, and it was always put off as an arrival date. That's not how this works. The solution doesn't play in time. It downloads, and one of the aspects it downloads is timelessness. Yeah? It doesn't take any time to get out of an imaginary place. The whole dilemma is we don't recognize that we're inherently out of that place. We just don't recognize it. We have so many fucking free samples, but the stubbornness of the mental habit overrides its own absence and will claim it as an event or just dismiss it as net nothing. Yeah? You'll have so many moments when you're inherently free during the day, and very rarely are they noted. Very rarely are they honored. They're forgotten very, very freaking quickly. Or they're claimed, one or the other, yeah? And then you say, oh, I had this incredible experience. But you did not have that experience. The sense of being you, the activity of that selfing, was inherently absent at that moment. Or it had been so diminished, it didn't get all the attention and interest, yeah? But you will never be there when it gets good, ever. You, you will never be there when it gets good. <laughs> never. As soon as you arrive, it's going to start fucking up. <laughs> you, got, you could take an alcoholic and put it in heaven, it'd be hell in a day. It would find something at fault. Something was wrong in heaven. <laughs> Maybe that you were there. Probably. You know, that self-centered loathing. It can't be heaven if I'm here. Fuck, you know, Jesus Christ. You, you live on the hope that one day you'll arrive, but even when, it's like my, my mother... She had this, she'd always complain about, she wanted to go to Hawaii, yeah, near her end of her life. And she always wanted the family to buy her a ticket, yeah? And no one ever did, and so you have this big story about, yo, you're fucking so selfish, I just, and so one year we all put money in and we bought her a ticket. You think she went to Hawaii? No. That wasn't, that, her mind had no intention of ever going to Hawaii. Her intention was to complain about not going to Hawaii. But she, so a lot of people want to want to be free, but they don't want to be free. Yeah, because you would have to be absent. Yeah. And I'm saying that's an inherent absence already. You have never coagulated into something. It's just a phantom being pr promoted and projected and reinforced by a system of mind called self-centeredness. Yeah? And it's, it's exactly like it says, self-centered. Yeah? The whole system of thought is centered on the idea of you being a body. It couldn't think of you any other way. How could you go, how could you take a trip in, in time and go to the past unless you pictured yourself as a body? Yeah. Could you say, oh, while I was the space of all spaces, I remember the time I was a space in, in Oahu once, eight years ago, you know? Or I, I can't wait to be the space in the Himalayas five years from now. Yes? It'd be very difficult. But a body, you can place anywhere else at any other time. Yeah, and think about it. Seriously. You can think about, in what's not happening, anything can happen to you. <laughs> it's like giving John Coltrane, like he's going to see John Coltrane and say, Hey, John, riff on the idea of separation. Okay. <laughs> you could just riff and riff. You don't think the mind is like a jazz musician? Way far, far past there. 
you give it a little note somewhere else in summertime, and it will write song upon song with the same theme. The I, the ballad of I Me My, <laughs> the ballad of I Me My, wasn't and willing. <laughs> And it's hard to drag your attention away from it because the attention, like a bloodhound, has been given the scent of it and it's been called you. And it, that's what drives it. Your interest and attention goes to wherever you think you are. I swear to God. If the mind shifts, your interest and attention will stop going into that black hole of selfing and it will actually enrich your life instead of bonding it. Yeah? Instead of being enslaved to this idea of being Paul, that same interest and attention will enrich your life. Yeah? Every day you live, that interest and attention now can be interested and attended to nothingness. Instead of being enslaved to this one thing in relationship with all these other things. Yes? Enslaved to this one thing in relationship to all other things. the same. It's the same energy. Exactly the same. The same interest and attention. You see it. You ever have a desire? You ever see something when you were sitting somewhere and you didn't have something you wanted and your mind started to think about it? Yeah? What happens? Let's say you were just sitting there and everything was seemingly okay, yeah? Yeah, you, in a sense, your lens was wide. You were picking things up. You are watching the guy over there. He's flying and things. Suddenly, there's a desire. You want to know that girl in the third row in the bus, yeah? Or that guy. Suddenly, you're not picking up the sounds of the birds outside, yeah? You're not even seeing anything around you. Your interest and attention gets focused on that thing, yes? And all the while, it's focused on that thing and it's trying to magnify that thing it's also magnifying this thing. This is called obsession with self. Yeah? So there's the desire. What happens? When a desire starts arising, that lens gets ratcheted down. Yes? And that lens goes into a time tunnel. And then you start thinking, what's gonna, it's going to be like when I'm with that lady you know, three years from now or something, when I'm married or I have a kid with her. Yes? The mind, and in a sense, your interest and attention gets stuck, gets sucked into this time wind tunnel, and, and at that point, you're totally oblivious to what's happening, basically. Yeah? You're just riding on this desire with the hopes that you'll be fulfilled somehow by it. But I'm telling you, we are, right now, the effect of a desire of mind, which is the desire to become a self. And this desire has ratcheted our interest and attention, our focus down, and we are absorbed in being a separate individual unit. Yes? And this desire to be this can never be fulfilled. No matter how much I think about this, no matter how much I feel everything as if it's me and mine, I will never lose my own nature of nothingness and become this nature. So this desire is always going to be unfulfilled which begets all the other desiring. Because all the other desires are about getting relief from this unrequited desire. Yeah? And this will never climax, ever. You are never going to be what you're thinking about. You will never become what you're thinking about. You can only appear to be to you, feel it like it's you, a vague sense of being you, but I'll tell you, it's never going to crystallize into you. Yeah? So there's that desire. What do you think all addictions are? All addictions are trying to get relief from the original addiction, which is mind addicted to the idea of being a self. It produces irritability, restlessness, and discontent. That's like an imperative to the rest of the mind. The mind goes out looking for relief, but in a very ignorant way, yes? So it believes, I'm going to take something to make myself feel better, but the self it wants to make feel better is the source of the problem. Yeah? So instead of getting relief from self, you try to get relief as a self, which causes an addiction because the idea of self is never going to be fulfilled. Yes? I don't care how much you pour in it, it's never going to be satisfied because its original desire is to be a self. And it doesn't matter how much it has or how little it has, it's never going to get any lasting, complete, satisfactory fulfillment. It's impossible. It's a constantly uh, 
evolving whole. Yeah? It's never gonna, you're never gonna pack enough in where it finally goes. It's just like when I shot coke. There was never a point I arrived at, okay, that's that. I reached coke, satori, and nirvana. Thank you. Put all my coke books, you know, diary of an English opium eater and all these other, all those books. Thank you. I am now stable, chilled out. There's not one whisper or wisp of desire in me. I feel complete. It doesn't matter if it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 2011, 2013. It's done. Not one addiction that I've ever been participating in has ever reached climax or fulfillment. Ever. And I was a perfect drug user. I would match my devotion to drugs with any spiritual devotee in the histories of, of spirituality. I'd match them, every one of them. Step by step, I gave everything away, prostituted myself, would do anything, took what was yours and gave it away. On and on and on. I loved it. And yet, there was no transcendence of it. There's, there was no point where I arrived. Because it's based on a fundamental fallacy. Yeah? That you're something that's solid, that can regain its solidity if it just has enough, does enough, feels enough, gets enough. There's no fucking way. You're not a solid thing that has a little bit of a, a, little bit of a hiccup here that can be corrected. No, you're a gaping emptiness. Check it out. You're going to be seen as an urban renewal project to the last moment of your life. Your mind is always going to be bitching about something that wasn't built or who didn't mop that floor. Blah, blah, blah. You just And the whole plan is, it's just like the Golden Gate Bridge. We went over it today and I said to the lady, oh, did we pay for the bridge yet? Yeah? The whole story about the Golden Gate Bridge was they had the toll for them to pay for the bridge. And then they were going to stop the toll once the bridge was paid for. Yeah, it's been about 800 times it's been paid for. Yeah. It's never ending. It's exact same. Exact same. You give it, you give it, you give it, you're going to have to keep giving it. Yeah? It's, its whole basis is agitation. How, how could that agitation, through agitation, find rest? How can something that's agitated at its core, right, a, a selfing, a mental process, yeah, based on agitation. How is that, through agitation, going to ri- arrive at rest? It's seeing you're not that, then the rest that you're looking for as a goal is apparent to be your basic state. Yeah, That there's no need to look for rest. You are that rest that's visibly looking through agitation. Yeah. like an unspoken yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's a point where, I mean, it's way past the point of being convinced. Yeah? There's a, just an uh, there's just an unspoken knowing. Like for me, this was the last answer when I heard this invitation a mile long ago. I've been open to new answers, but this no new answer has come. All the all the downloads that come just reinforce that original uh, supposition, yeah, of the the phantom-like nature, the fleeting nature of selfing, as never going to be solid, never came from solidity, never will become solid. Yes. So when I see all that. And, I, and it distills into I'm not that. That's it. I am the seeing at that moment. I am that seeing at that moment. Because at that moment, when I see what I used to be looking from, and I see it, and I realize I'm not that, which means I'm not looking from it at that moment, at that moment, that's the nature that I am, is the seeing of what I'm not. When that occurs, which I believe is always occurring, but when there's an awareness of that occurrence, that little seemingly very nano moment in time downloads more information than you could ever get by studying for 80 fucking years. It downloads information of the nature of freedom. Timeless, conditionalist, 
not to be arrived at, not to be found, not to be attained, not to be owned, not to become the knower of. More like what Ramana Maharshi said, I feel this great master. And he says, to know God is to be God. To know God is to be God. Most of this in here, to know God is to be a knower of God. <laughs> so here, here's this God, let's say, and then there's me, and now I become the knower of God. Where's the emphasis on then? God or the knower of God? Once again, the big thing playing God. Selfing. <laughs> now it's playing God with the idea of God. I'm a knower. The self, all supreme, the Alpha Omega, now knows God. I'm a knower of God now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you left with a bag of shit. <laughs> I'm the knower now. <laughs> Let's. I think I have more than you do. <laughs> I know so much more than you know of God. Look at that. Look at <laughs> the less you know, the better. Seriously. This is all about being economized. It's not about adding on to. I'm serious in my sense. It's about paring down, traveling very light. Yeah? There's no need for fucking knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> freedom is so far past knowledge. You know, if you have a sense of freedom, it's a very strong message. Yeah. But you can get to a point where it's absolute in a way. It doesn't mean you're always feeling a certain way. It just means you're you're thoroughly convinced that it can never not be that way. Yeah. In other words. I don't believe that there was once a self and now there isn't a self, you know, with the hope, with the possibility that there may be a self again. I truly sense there has never been, nor will there ever be a self. What I am can't configure and lose its own nature and thoroughly become what's appearing. I don't care how much I get into this body as me, I can't make that alchemy move where I lose the nature of the gold-like quality of nothingness and take on this lead nature with absolutely no, no uh, hint of the gold ever again. I just don't see that as possible. Yeah. So no matter how many times my mind takes a position with that little inference that it's a someone, there's an immunity because no matter what it appears to be, I'm not that. <laughs> it doesn't matter how many different appearances. It could wear eight coats. It still doesn't matter. As soon as it arises and there's that pointing at this phantom, I know there is no phantom. So there's a seeing, and that's what I am, is the seeing. And the seeing is never interrupted, ever. That's all mind's doing is awareness. All it is is onness. It doesn't have a hiccup. It doesn't have to become more on or less on. Yeah. And it's always available at all times. That's what I loved about it. When I came in AA, you know, I had my idea of higher power, something saving me, getting me parking spaces at meetings, you know, maybe a date, hopefully, or whatever. You know what I mean? You know, money, you know, when I had no money. And then over time, it just, it just the hit of it was, hey, it's always available at all times with no requirement necessary. To meet it, yeah. I mean, there's no considerations that it could be distant from where I am at any point, yeah. And then I realize, see, I don't want to have a god of its. I don't want to have a god of my own understanding. That understanding is quite primitive and small. I want to have a god of its own understanding, yeah, which has to become revelatory, because. When I'm in the position of finding out about God's understanding, if I'm just using that word, but that understanding is, I'm in this, I, I must be in I don't know. And when I'm in I don't know, how my knowledge is by finding out, not by studying, yes, not by doing, but I find out. I find out. And then it just keeps supporting that same very, very succinct uh, form of knowledge. I don't know, finding out. Yeah? And I find that the knowledge found in that way is very, very convincing. 
it can produce a point where there's no convinced, unconvinced, convinced, unconvinced. You know, I'm really serious, I'm not serious. None of that. It goes beyond that where the idea of surrendering becomes surrendered. You just, there's a state called surrendered when certain stuff's been put down and it's not picked up again. And there's a walking away, no looking back, because there's, you have no interest in it because it's not about you, really. And then things that were once just thrown into this giant melting pot of maybe I'll get an experience if I get in that location and go here, now become states of mind, yeah? States. In other words, they outshine or outlast or override the experiences. The states actually influence how you experience things, yeah? And those states get stabilized. So you can enjoy peace of mind. When peace of mind cracks, you're there to enjoy it. Yeah, because you could not be anywhere else. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. Yeah. That's the beauty of absoluteness. You could not be anywhere else where you would miss that enjoyment of mind. Yeah? Because right where mind is, that's where you are. That's what you are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So your goals in a sense are now thrust into a timeless venue, which is much different than when they're thrust in a time venue. When they're thrust in time, seeking has a lot of meaning because it's going to take time for you to get that or get there. But in timelessness, seeking is seen as maybe just another form of expression. It's not, it's not seen as anything more noble than anything else. And you're not going to find the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow because you are the rainbow, in a sense. Yeah. It, just, it just short circuits the whole fucking system of conditional mind. The whole thing about time, about doing, you ha doing and having to get into being, which is a ridiculous modality. Yeah? To do and have and believe that you can be is crazy when you are already something, yes? That has nothing to do with doing and having yourself into. <laughs> you are that, yeah? So doing and having would be a form of expression. But the way the mind sees doing and having is a form of, a, of acquiring, yeah? a, a, a form of achieving, a, for, a form of fulfillment. That's why it loves it to be in time, because it knows when it really would come to its completeness, you would see that it was inherently empty, that no fulfillment was brought, because already you are fulfilled. Yeah? You're not something that's lacking. You're not a fucking home improvement thing. You're not living life to add and add and add and add and add. It can may look like that, but if you take that to be this whole this whole activity here is to accrue value, you're gonna be in the bank of something and you're gonna miss out the greatest value, which is nothing. No thing. No thing. No thing is the gift that keeps on giving. No thing. Yeah, everything comes out of no thing. Everything. Everyone's getting so much something, it usually totals up to nothing after a period of time. Why not start at nothing? Yeah? Hopefully you walk out of here with nothing tonight, and it's exactly what you walked in with, was nothing. Nothing was added or subtracted. Great. <laughs> huh? It'd be better then. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, the basic state we're in doesn't deviate. You know, it may amp up and seem to get lighter than that, but it's always available at all times. As long as you're alive, there's a sense of being conscious or on, yes? I would say that's what's truly reliable, to rest there. To rest on a mental fixation is crazy, because you're trying to find rest on something that's agitated. How can you, you know, how can this, how can selfing be restful? <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> That's why you get one massage, you need 800 more the next three years. <laughs> it's not like you get one massage and your rest relaxed forever. No, the stress constantly reinvigorates, doesn't it? The, the drive to contract is very strong. And we're trying to open up a little bit mentally, emotionally, physically, so, so that we feel a little bigger, you know? The identification of the body is so claustrophobic. Because what we are is space, which is very, very big, yeah? But here, taking this to be us emotionally, mentally, and physically, it has a tendency to contract, yeah? Your attention's all up here in your mental system. The body has just been getting shocked all day, 
a mental anxiety. So it's contracting, it's sort of getting ready for the next blow, yes? And there's a sense of claustrophobia, and we're trying to do something out here to give us a little bit of, of you know, a sense of freedom or a sense of availability. Yet the habit is to always contract, yeah? It's like a spring that's constantly getting sprung, yeah? It's like holding a mousetrap. If you hold it, it stays open. Once you let it go, its tendency is to close, yeah? You have to stay there all day to hold it open. And that's what we're doing a lot of the time. We're seeking things and searching for things that will keep the mousetrap open. But as soon as we become unvigilant, it snaps again. Yeah? You leave the temple, the next day you're fucked. Yeah. You have a wonderful weekend, you go to work, it's fucking blown. Yeah? The contraction seems to be the dominant movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because its activity is constantly trying to expand into something it's not, so its opposite effect is contraction. Fear that it won't become what it wants to be or it won't unbecome what it thinks it is, yeah? There's always contraction with every movement. So the desire for expansion produces contraction, in a sense. This, when, when the mind is centered, centered, not self-centered, but centered, let's say it's centered on consciousness or beingness, beingness is not in the business of fulfillment. It's not in the business of accomplishment. It's already so. It's not in a process of evolution to become more so, yeah? So it's not, doesn't have any giant uh, desire to expand, and therefore it has no contraction, yes? It's open and available, and the openness is its nature. It's not going like a breath in and out, inhale and exhale, yeah? It's not doing that. It's like that, open, yeah? Secure in its wholeness. Not trying to add on or subtract. Therefore, if there's no opposite to it, so there's no contraction. So the mind stays open because of its nature. Yeah? The conditional mind closes and opens, closes and opens. And you notice it closes much easier than it opens. Yeah? When you have had something happen when you were a kid, let's say there was a, a top issue that occurred, and there's, let's say, six windows, and the issue had to do with one window. When the mind dealt with that issue, all the windows get closed. All the shades get pulled down. And it's very difficult to have those shades go back up, yeah? When something happened when you were young and you shut down, it's a thorough shutdown. You didn't just shut down about that one little topic. You shut down about almost everything. And then it seems like a bitch to get it back open, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have to see the, the momentum of this contraction. But if you're not that, if you're not in the business of closing and opening, yeah? <laughs> you may find something or nothing that's truly reliable, yes? Your mind can truly rest in it because it's very at rest. And the mind will mirror it and it will see its original face, which is of nothing which I think is everything. And one look can change this way of seeing forever, <laughs> for, I mean, at least for this life. hot yoga classes after this. So it's, it's hot. Yeah. So any questions tonight? No? God was out of it, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he was so in of it, he was out of it. That's the beauty of it. See, so when God's out of it, it can look like he's really in it. That sucks. And you wish it was out of it. But you, when, it, when God's really in it, there's <laughs> you don't even... <laughs> yeah. I don't know, in recovery, it just worked for me. Yeah? This message. I was doing these workshops every week for 20-something years. These fourth-step workshops. And so the main chapter I used was how it works, yeah? You know, that's where it all comes from, how it works. <laughs> and I was sharing a, a four-week thing every, you know, every month 
on how it works, doing, going over the inventories. So I had read that stuff many, 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 many times. I had read it out loud many, 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 many times. And I had opened up to a lot of different interpretations because of all that activity. But I'll tell you, when my mind entertained this possibility and I read that chapter, the amount of downloads and the quality of the downloads were so fucking unsurpassed in flavor and quality and succinctness. It saw self as a foreign installment. It saw, it saw the disease of alcoholism as like a parasitical movement. Not a parasite, that would make it a thing. <coughs> but a parasitical movement of mind, yeah? Something that doesn't have a life that claims it life. And then it uses that life it claims to express it. It's just a perfect way of describing it. All this stuff starts coming through. Incredible. And I had done nothing different, really. I just had gone to a meeting sort of like this. And I heard this invitation. And then what I had been engaged with all these years got totally pumped with all this new life. Yeah. And none of it, this, the idea, when I see that word self in the book, it's never returned to the old way I used to see it. Never. Not fucking once. Not once. The basic... Uh, Essence of the message has stayed true every moment of every day. Yeah. Every time I look at that book, it would still see that's this essence that I'm not that would be there in the self. Everything. And no matter how many people I was engaged with that were into selfing and they demanded a little relevance about the selfing, there was still a part that there was no relevance given to it. And it's never been it's never moved. Yeah? No matter how, if I have a desire to be helpful and there's a desire to start therapizing, it usually shuts off. No, no, no. That wouldn't be of help, really. Who would it, who would it be helping? The self, yes? Yeah? So let's just give it to them this way. <laughs> and don't deviate, yes? Don't deviate. Just put it out there. If that's what moves you to put it out. And it's been very crystal clear, and they never change. It hasn't... Uh, fundamentally, we're not a thing. Yeah? Fundamentally, we're not a thing. We play around with a lot. Like, I've been into this thing lately, the I, you, and me. It's a nice way of looking at it, I think. Because the I, obviously, is the spirit or awareness, Yes? And everyone's having the same experience right now. Everyone would say, I'm looking at something different, but we'd all be I'm looking, yeah? So that's the one thing we share. And then I, the only thing I see are yous, yeah? And the only thing you see when you look this way is a you, yeah? Now, when my mental process says, who is this you, it gives me its answer. Which isn't the answer. It should have been a big, <laughs> like when you get the wrong answer in those, like Jeopardy or something. <laughs> Would have been very nice, but it didn't happen. And it says it's me. Yeah. Now in this world of all these yous, which I am one of, seemingly is this. I'm. I have now separated myself from every one of you. Every one of you, either one or eight billion, it doesn't matter. There's only one me. I'm the only me here. It's incredible, isn't it? The self thing claims the eye, gives it gives the qualities of the eye to the body, and then calls this you me. Yeah. And then it obsesses over me all the time. And your interest and attention, maybe eight percent goes to the body now, none goes to the eye, <laughs> and about ninety-two percent goes to the me. And you're wondering why life doesn't seem that satisfying when your mind is completely obsessed with this idea of being a self, which is the me, yeah? And I found, when that thing is taken not to be me, yeah, that me isn't what I am, then the interest and attention gets distributed differently, with no effort or thought on whosoever part would be here, yeah? Some of it goes to the body, and if the body's in bad shape, a little more probably. A lot goes to the eye, and you know what? The me gets starved. <laughs> yes. It used to live on about 90%, maybe it's getting about 7%. It's on an austerity package. Yes. Uh, it had to tighten up its buckle. <coughs> and I find... That distribution, it can switch like that, but when at least this eye, the eye gets a little bit of attention, you cannot believe 
how much that little investment will produce in one's life here. You will travel lighter so much by just a little attention to this because the eye never once will ever see life as happening to you. It just sees life's happening. Yeah? And the wisdom from having that distance to life is unbelievable. It's unparalleled, really. The amount of effect that can have when you just see life as happening. It changes so much because when it's happening to you, you're too much on life, you know what I mean? You can't see anything because you're so in it, you know? When you get a little bit of space, you get a bigger picture and a lot more possibilities can get access, yeah? And where you could only think of doing one or the other thing, maybe a whole new idea arises, yeah? And the pause is like an experience of the eye. You just start going, you start, instead of having a pause every few years, you have it every day. Yeah? The pause is, becomes like a, an ever-present portal, in a sense, available. That sense of, uh, <clears throat> like a space from the selfing, in a way. And I've seen what a pause can do in my life. I had a few since I got sober. And this whole, the story of this action figure changed dramatically from that pause. To be able to entertain one all day is incredible. Because it says, pause when agitated. And what selfing is, is agitated. Yeah? So the pause is, is available, I would say, every moment and beyond that the moment of agitation is arising, which is selfing. So if the pause is on it more than the selfing, that's your immunity, really. The selfing will be on it if you take yourself to be a self. It will. It will be very difficult to pull your interest and attention out of it. Self can't get out of self. It's an impossibility, yeah? So you have to, but if you're not that and your interest goes to the I, then the I is more of the pause, yeah? And the body does really good when it's not you, you know? When it's not saddled with this idea of me, because it's never going to be enough for me, yeah? But the you has its own intelligence. The body has a lot of uh, qualities that we're not really uh, mining because it's been burdened by this idea of being all there is. Yeah? It's just an action figure. It's just a body. Yeah? It's like a, got a very developed brain that can project light pretty good and uh, has its own intelligence. It knows what's usually right for it, yes? eating-wise and stuff. But the me fucks everything up. I noticed that with my own life. When I went into Delancey Street, I spent two years in this drug and alcohol program from 85 to 87. Two years, every day. Lived there. <coughs> and, uh, you know, I had to admit when I left there that my life looked a lot better with them running it than it ever did with me running it. Yeah? And now I can look at it because they never saw me as a me. They saw me as a you. And that you was just a regular run-of-the-mill alcoholic addict. And they knew exactly what that you needed. <laughs> now, the me was finding a lot of resentments concerning all their shit they were telling me. But I'll tell you, they had a much better idea of what I am than I ever did. Because they were seeing the you very clearly. The you had alcoholism and addiction and was uncivilized and, and a huge sense of entitlement and everything. But the me had just a huge story going don't they understand who I am? <laughs> I me. <mean. laughs> they understood very well who I was. <laughs> or what I was. So, I find, and you know, when the me is running the show, the you, the you, it's very confusing. Yeah? I found that, like, I did a lot of stuff to better the you through the me, but it was, it was you could put it into the idea of self, uh, any life run on self will and will not be successful. I spent tons of money trying to make the, the, the you better from the me's point of view, and none of it fucking did any really any good. Once I gave up and let the you be the you, the you's now seeming is thriving a lot better than it ever did when it was me. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? Hmm? What do you do at those moments during the day when you feel the I becoming a me? The I doesn't ever become a me. It's the mind, it's the interest and attention gets emphasized, starts emphasizing the selfing, and then there's the feeling of being the you produced. So what do you do in Nothing. Case? Nothing. I don't have any rote answer, and that is what, at that moment, what's going on, yeah? 
there's no road answer for me. But I, if, if, you know, the immunity is pretty good because I see, I can see, uh, in a way, I can see the phantom because it's nothing. See? So when I see it, I really see its original face, which is it's not there as a thing. But that's actually seeing what I am, in a sense. Yeah. So. But I don't know. I, just, I don't find any kind of written law. Things happen, and then you just, you know, fit, fit yourself around the circumstances. See what happens. But just get this idea in. Let it cook. You, you may be... Uh, it's worked for a lot of people. I've watched over the years people who've come here for a while. They have to, even if it's even if if, if it's begrudgingly admit that they're traveling lighter, <laughs> you know. And some of us already have a way of life. We're in recovery. This is just a, a way of illuminating it. Yeah, Give, uh, allowing more light to come in, in a sense. It's not like taking the place of AA. Because the AA is really built well you have to find out what it's built for actually for me it's just been a great way of life because uh, I have this this you has a disease yeah, of mind and of body I have a physical allergy to alcohol and drugs and uh, when either of them are introduced to the body it sets off a lot of trains of circumstances that I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah? So that's like the one, let's say, rule I have here is just not get loaded. Pretty much everything else is open, like I'm a free range in a sense. But I, I don't play around with the idea of alcohol and drugs. It's like a big dog that's asleep. I don't want to see it wake up. <laughs> Alcoholism. I'd much rather have it asleep, but dormant, you yeah? know?